We would like to say a special thank you to Tim and Connie Larson for sponsoring this week's episode. Money, house, spouse, intellectual capacity, all the things we know we idolize. Luther says, to be poor in spirit is to have only Christ in your heart, which makes a ton of sense then when you go on, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Well, of course, of course, that makes sense. And it's present tense is when you have only Christ in your heart, there is the kingdom of heaven. What's up, everybody, and welcome back to Scripture First, the podcast that explores how the Lutheran lectionary is working in your life. I'm your host, Mason Van Essen. For this week's lectionary reading, we're discussing the Beatitudes with Luther House of Studies' Sarah Stenson. Sarah teaches us that when translated, the word Beatitudes means state of bliss or supreme joy. Adam Curie and I asked Sarah, what is the difference between happiness and joy? And what does it mean to be blessed by God? Sarah explains that to be blessed is to receive God's benefits. That's important to remember as we make our way through Jesus' teachings. These are not a prescription of how to live. They're a depiction of what God is doing in our lives. This is especially important as we hear the final two verses, that we should rejoice and be glad because we are blessed when people revile and persecute us. Let's get to it. Here's Matthew chapter 5, verses 1 through 12. When Jesus saw the crowds, he went up the mountain, and after he sat down, his disciples came to him. Then he began to speak and taught them, saying, Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are those who mourn, for they will be comforted. Blessed are the meek, for they will inherit the earth. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they will be filled. Blessed are the merciful, for they will receive mercy. Blessed are the pure in heart, for they will see God. Blessed are the peacemakers, for they will be called children of God. Blessed are those who are persecuted for righteousness' sake, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are you when people revile you and persecute you and utter all kinds of evil against you falsely on my account. Rejoice and be glad, for your reward is great in heaven, for in the same way they persecuted the prophets who were before you. And now on to this week's conversation. Welcome back to Scripture First. We have Sarah Stenson here with us this week. Thanks for being here, Sarah. Thank you. How's it going, Sarah? Doing well. How about you? Good. Good. You've been on the podcast for all, over three years now. We, we've kind of been asking questions to Lars and Nick, uh, and because <laughs> we don't really know them that well, but people might not know you either. Maybe you can just uh, <laughs> tell our viewers uh, something about yourself or... Something that people don't know about? Yeah, maybe stuff that happened to you recently. 
Oh, well, you mean like multiple knee surgeries. That's fun. (laughs) (laughs) Not many people know that except people here in Sioux Falls. Yeah. Um, Let's see. Something fun. I'm a huge dog lover. Okay. Like huge dog lover. How many Instagram accounts do you follow? Oh, no. You follow me on Instagram? That's pretty much what I follow. <laughs> That's like all you dog follow are dogs. Yes. <laughs> and you, Kiri, I also follow you, you and my kids. Other than that, it's all dogs. So that's the fun fact about me. Nice. Okay, real Huge quick, what's your favorite fan. kind? Uh, Newfoundland. Oh. I love Newfoundlands. We've had Newfoundlands, but yeah. I can't handle them anymore because of my stupid knee. They're too big. Mm. But I love Newfies. Yep. Newfies. Newfies. Interesting. Yeah. yeah. Well, we're in uh, the Gospel of Matthew, the fifth chapter. Last week we heard about Christ calling uh, uh, the disciples. And then this week we're in uh, the Beatitudes. Maybe if you want to give us a little context, Sarah, or just yeah. to start off with. Yeah. So the word Beatitudes gets thrown around a lot. So I thought it'd be helpful to kind of start with the definition, which you know I like to do. Mm-hmm. Um, and technically, the definition of Beatitude is a state of bliss or supreme joy. So it's, it's an odd um, juxtaposition of the word beatitude up against what we're about to walk through in these verses, because when you're reading them, it doesn't seem like there's a whole lot of joy in what Jesus is mm-hmm. depicting or talking about here. And even at the very last verses, the last verse is in this text, um, goes to 12, and Jesus says, rejoice and be glad. So in the middle of that now, definition of Beatitudes, and then that last verse 12, we're going to walk through what does not at first appear to be a real joyful thing to talk about, all these things. Okay? Um, yeah. Maybe you can, what's, for, what a, a question that always comes to mind, what's the difference between joy and happiness? Or how, yeah. how are we to under, understand that? Um, you maybe have heard us talk about this before. Certainly in Greek philosophy, eudaimonia is happiness. And that was kind of the goal of life is to be happy. Even, even the U S constitution, you know, that our declaration of independence, pursuit. life, liberty, oh. exactly. Mm-hmm. Pursuit, pursuit of, of happiness. happiness. Right. So our very foundational documents are talking about happiness. So people think they can manufacture happiness, that it's something to strive after. Same thing with joy. But I think what you might be referring to Adam is we have taught and always have taught. You cannot manufacture any emotion, including joy. I can't make you feel joy. It happens to you. It's an emotion that's elicited from something that happens to you. Actually, not unlike repentance. Um, We'll get there shortly. But you can't make yourself happy. You can't talk yourself into joy. It happens to you as a result of something or someone. Yeah, so all emotions are reactions to something. But it's really interesting to hear you say that because a lot of people say you can choose your mindset. Like choose to be happy. Choose joy. Like if you're having well, a Well, that's even day. one of those little hashtags like choose yeah. happy, choose yeah. joy. There's even a song my daughter shared with me, some Christian song called Joy. Like I choose joy is the recurring theme. Mm-hmm. I deleted it from my in my Spotify account after a while because you cannot choose joy. Now, like psychobabble talk, you can try to temper your own reaction to whatever it is you're experiencing or have experienced and you use counseling and other things like that. But that's different than actually feeling joy or happiness or sadness for that matter. Yeah, but keep that in mind as we're walking through Beatitudes, supreme joy, supreme bliss. That's what that word means. But it's 
we're going to see it's not what it's cracked up to be necessarily in human terms, the mm-hmm. way Jesus lays it out. Okay. So jumping in to yes, the actual ma'am. text of this, um, yep. it starts with the very stereotypical trait of Jesus where he saw a crowd and so he went away from the crowd. Right. And he went to the mountain. <laughs> I yep. feel like this happens a lot. Yeah. <laughs> Relatable. <laughs> exactly. The natural introvert in me. Exactly. So say more about how introverted Jesus was. Um, so the context here, verse 1, when Jesus saw the crowds, he had called his first disciples. That's what we heard last week, calling of those first four disciples. And he'd been going around out um, and about in Galilee. He'd been teaching, preaching the gospel, healing every disease and affliction is how last week's text ended on verse 23. Um, as a result of all of that teaching, preaching, healing diseases, people noticed Jesus. And he had quite a crowd following him. So he, you're right, he did what we've, we've watched him do in other um, texts, withdraws from the crowd, goes up to the mountain, his disciples come up to him, and he begins to talk to the disciples. And naturally so. I mean, if you've got somebody who literally <laughs> wrote the law, then of course, what better teacher than the person <laughs> who wrote the law? So people would obviously flock to that yeah. or... And also to the healing. The healing, right? Right. Like, like if you something, have something is happening here. Exactly. Yeah, he had everyone's attention in, mm-hmm. in that area. So he withdrew, and now he delivers what we now call the Beatitudes. The first word out of his mouth there is blessed in verse 3. Blessed are the poor in spirit specifically. Now, we've talked about this word before in the Greek, but it's it's critical. It's makarios is the the blessed all the way through these uh, verses. And Makarios specifically means when God extends his benefits. So that's what it is to be blessed by God. It's to receive God's, apostrophe yes, blessings and benefits. So, and this also relates to the, you can't create joy or manufacture uh, that rejoice and be glad that we'll get to at the end. This, everything Jesus is talking about is, God is extending his benefits to those who are, in this case now, poor in spirit is the first one. Poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Yeah, and uh, which is, itself is a sort of remarkable statement. He continues, blessed are those who mourn, for they will be comforted. Right. And I'm going to just kind of back up here quickly, Adam, on the sure. poor in spirit. Yeah. Um, because... That doesn't sound fun. Right. Exactly. And this is part of that kind of almost, it seems like an internal contradiction, like logically, how can you be blessed by God and poor in spirit? Well, and, and I think a lot of people think poor in spirit mm-hmm. means like a ba- poor spirit, like a bad, like... Oh, like evil or bad? Yeah. Oh, right. You were going to say like a bad sport? <laughs> no. No. Luther actually <laughs> you. flips that. And you're right, Kiri. I think that is probably the natural way mm-hmm. to hear this. Like not a nice person. Or... or I could also hear it as really depressed mm-hmm. or yeah. Yeah. down, like really down in the dumps, like yeah. you're poor in spirit. Yep. Luther actually flips it. He says that it is the poor in spirit means to have one's heart empty of everything but Christ's word. Everything but. So it's, you're not idolizing. You don't have all those other little G gods in your heart. 
money, house, spouse, intellectual capacity, all the things we know we idolize. Luther says to be poor in spirit is to have only Christ in your heart, which makes a ton of sense then when you go on, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Well, of course, of course that makes sense. Mm -hmm. And it's present tense is when you have only Christ in your heart, there is the kingdom of heaven, which mm -hmm. which we got in last week's mm -hmm. text as well. The mm -hmm. kingdom of heaven is at hand. Well, it is. It's Jesus. And now he's saying, yeah, when you have only me in your heart, there is there is the kingdom of heaven. You have it here and now. But now we can go ahead, Adam. Yeah, it's just, uh, blessed are those who mourn, for they will be comforted. So it's the same sort of... Uh, not valorizing the mourn, but just saying those who mourn will be comforted. Right. Yeah. And uh, it's important to keep in mind these verses are tight and they flow together really logically and tightly. So so now we have that poor in spirit is kind of a flip on what we would think it would mean. Mm -hmm. um, the mourning here, M-O-U-R-N, certainly can mean what the way we would normally think of mourning, like you, someone died, um, but it's actually more than that. What Again, what Luther gets at here is that Jesus is talking about people who are suffering or mourning because the righteous suffer and the wicked seem to prosper, is how Luther put it, that you are frustrated that um, the people who appear to be doing really well, like God life by the tail and everything's going are the ones who have apostatized or turned, you know, completely blasphemed Christ. And they're the ones who seem to be prospering. Luther actually lifts those people up when he's talking about this verse on mourning and suffering. And it does actually tie in really well with the, um, the poor in spirit from the verse just prior. So what he's saying here is, when we mourn, when we suffer, then we will be comforted. That's the promise of God, which is why that's, again, that Makarios, blessed or blessed. That is exactly God's work. When we mourn, when we suffer, then there is the comfort. And it's not temporal comfort. It's not like, oh, you get your job back. It's actually, or the person you loved comes back. <laughs> you actually have the promise of Christ. That's the comfort. Yeah, and in all of these, as we continue to go through these list of blessed are, blessed are, yeah. it's it's easy to look beyond the importance of the word blessed, as you teed up at the very first one that it is God extending his benefits. So it's almost right. it's almost we should reiterate that almost every single one of these lines to say, God is extending his benefits. Like Right, because the tail end of, smart. Of, yeah. of the of each one of these lines makes it seem like the things are worse than the blessings, <laughs> yeah. right? So, like, if it's a scale, like it's blessing. like, oh my gosh, like, yeah. are you really blessed? Like, when all of these negative things right. are happening to you, right? But well, no, you really are because that that word blessed it's means God so much. Doing it yeah. exactly right, and God promising that those things you're suffering are not the final word over you, which is, we'll get to that at the end here. Yeah. So now we have the meek, for they will inherit the earth. That's verse five. And meek is, um, it's kind of, think of it kind of something like humble, like humility being humble. And so what Jesus is saying here is that uh, when you're meek or humble, 
um, that actually means you have a sense of peace with what you have. You're humble. You're not grabbing to try to get more, and you're not trying to become a better person, get a better job, get a better house, better car. You're actually comfortable in your own skin is what Jesus is getting at here with the humility. And the specifically that inherit the earth at the end of that verse, echo Psalm 37, verse 34, those who wait for the Lord will inherit the land. And again, 3722, blessed ones inherit the land. So what this is really getting at is the, the meekness, the humility is actually echoing back the Old Testament scriptures. God will provide daily bread. Um, he has given us as humans dominion over all of creation. When we have Christ in our ear, and again, that's that blessed again, then we actually are comfortable in our own skin and we're, we're not trying to grab and get more. We actually trust that God will give us daily, daily bread. I'm glad you broke it down like that because I think sometimes that can be misinterpreted, the inherit the earth, kind oh. of like... Um, Post-apocalyptic Well, a little bit, and in uh-huh. the w- way of like those that think the Jews are the chosen ones. Oh, I see. Like those that are meek are yep. the ones that will... I see. Like are the ones that will inherit the actual earth. Ab- yeah, I see that. And I think the next verse really gets to that, Kiri, because you're right. What people do with these verses is try to turn it into a prescription. Yeah. That that Jesus is giving us directions on how to live, what to do, how yes. to behave in order to benefit ourselves, which is, by the way, idolatry, which is sin. So that is not what Jesus is doing here, but that is literally the temptation when it comes to It's just so easy texts. to read it, it that way. And I think the next one is probably one of the bigger ones there. It's blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they will be filled. Because it's easy to turn this into a rah-rah social justice, mm-hmm. um, you know, take up the whatever cause it is, conservative or liberal, and that's the righteousness. And Jesus is now saying, you're going to get rewarded if you take up the placard and march the march, whichever end of the spectrum. That is not what's happening. That is not what's happening. So the righteousness here um, is actually a couple things happening. First, the Greek word there is dikaiosune, righteousness. And it actually means justice, and it means righteousness. And specifically, it's justice of God or the righteousness of God. So that is not our uh, philosophical, Western, civ kind of way of thinking about justice. Mm-hmm. So, so the righteousness here um, certainly can include civil righteousness. In other words, our relationships with our neighbors, but also includes that Christian righteousness that we receive when we have faith in in God, faith in Christ. So what Jesus is really saying here is that when we have Christ in our ear or in our heart, then we will pour our lives out for the neighbor. That's that's the how the kind of this the neighbor civil righteousness comes in here. It's because it's a fruit of faith. And you've heard, you know, the Matthew, the good tree mm-hmm. bears good fruit. That's what this is getting at here. It is not Jesus saying, you know, pick a cause and I'm going to reward you. It's actually again a depiction of this is what a life of faith looks like. And that's, I mean, it's interesting too, that they use the words hunger and thirst 
for righteousness. Yeah. Because I mean, it's easy if you wanted it to mean what you initially said. Right. Blessed are those who desire for righteousness or want for righteousness or right. Stand a- up to the man. For righteousness. Exactly. Like, but it, it hunger and thirst are almost uh, uh, it happens to you. Like it's right. a passive thing. Like and you so you're you're not full. Like, right. You're by definition, if you're hungry and thirsty, you're empty. Right. So you're you're no, that's right. Longing for righteousness. You're longing for Christ, exactly. Christ's word. And that's it exactly. I was just gonna add that. That the righteousness you're longing for there, hungering and thirsting, is Christ. And that is that Makarios again, the blessed. God extending his benefits to you. Well, we know that's actually Christ, forgiveness of sin. And then of course you will pour your life out for the neighbor. But that hunger and thirst is Jesus. So then we have verse seven, blessed are the merciful. And the Greek word there is eleemon, which means full of pity, compassionate. So again, this is a fruit of faith. This is Jesus saying, this is what a life of faith looks like. Uh, Verse eight, pure in heart. This certainly ties to the uh, poor in spirit, but the pure in heart, same thing again, it's having Christ in your ear, in your heart trusting that God is giving you your daily bread, you know, all these things, again, they, it flows mm-hmm. really logically once be, you have the understanding. Go ahead. Sorry, I didn't mean to interrupt. That's okay. It'll be really interesting to see how this verse ends because of the fact that all of the, and maybe, Sarah, I'm reading this in the lot, but it mm-hmm. seems like these are all, like, impossible to keep all the time. And if you do try to keep them all the time, then you're actually inwardly focused, you know? So like, we're not always going to be pure of heart. We're not always going to have Christ in our ear. That's why we're encouraged to go to church, to listen to the podcast, to kind of help get that in when we've had a tough week, you know? So it's like, we're not always going to have that in our hearts. No. It'll just be interesting. You don't need to, yeah, you don't need to say anything. I just think it'll be interesting because of the fact that it just feels like we're a little stuck right now. Yep. Yep. At least I feel a little stuck right now. We're walking down the blessed, so we're not stuck. He's continuing, Jesus is continuing to lay out the depiction of this is what the Christian life looks like. So even on that one, Kiri, the pure in heart, for they will see God. Now people are going to think, I'm guessing... Like, I'm going to get the inside scoop, or I'm going to actually physically see God. Actually, to see God, when you're pure in heart, Makarios, God is extending his benefits. What that, what Jesus is really saying there, you will actually confess God for who he really is, which is giver, mercy, not demander. That's God all the way through, Old Testament, New Testament, mercy. So that's what you will see when you have Christ in your heart. You won't be afraid of God. You'll actually, like the wrath of God, you'll actually say, amen, amen, amen. Okay. Okay. And then verse nine says, blessed are the peacemakers for they will be called children of God. Yep. And again, so this is not seeking vengeance, not even justice for your own sake, Um, but recognizing that there are times your neighbor calls you to stand up for the neighbor, not for your own benefit. So that's what he's getting there. The next one. What, what do you mean by that, Sarah? What? Go ahead. Well, uh, that There's times when the neighbor, your neighbor, you have to stand up for your neighbor. Oh, um, so what we're talking about there is, or what I'm talking about there is you don't, 
take up a cause for your own benefit, mm -hmm. even in military affairs. Years ago, I wrote a paper on kind of Luther and just war theories. And he writes a lot about this actually, probably coming out of the peasants revolt, <laughs> mm -hmm. but yeah, uh, and other things. But, yeah. um, and he had, even in, in, when he writes in the two kinds of righteousness, he writes about this as well, that as Christians, we don't uh, take up the sword, you know, the military, the gun or whatever to protect ourselves or or necessarily not even our own family if that's to benefit ourselves. But when your neighbor is calling you, asking you to protect them, him or her, then you do you do whatever you can to protect the neighbor. Mm -hmm. um, we actually have a video on our Luther House website on another thing Luther wrote called on whether soldiers too can be saved. Uh, and he has other, I think it's in the large catechism, the hangman must do his job and do it well. Mm -hmm. So even that, you know, you're breaking the commandment, thou shalt not kill. It's it's actually for the sake of the neighbor though, not for your own benefit. Yeah. So that's what I was getting at there. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Thank yeah, you. Peacemaker is just one of those words where it can be mm -hmm. toned down to such a degree that it yeah. could mean you just accept anything basically right. but you're a wet blanket that for, you're kind for, of a wet well, blanket or the, the, or the like extreme the Quakers. In yeah, exactly. yeah the, the people who literally will take a verse like yeah. that as prescription yeah. and say this is why Luther's so helpful on you know mm -hmm. on these like on just war theory and things like that on yeah. whether soldiers too can be saved but for the sake of your neighbor mm -hmm. you you the hangman must does must do his job well yeah and you're I mean I don't know what Luther says about this but you're your spouse and your family is yeah. your first neighbor. So, Absolutely. I mean, that's... Yep. Yeah. yeah. So. Yep. So All verse right. 10. Yes, Does Luther say anything about the Second Amendment? Uh... <laughs> no, I, I don't think so. <laughs> I'll have to read a little more closely, see where he comes down on the Second Amendment. <laughs> okay, so verse 10. <laughs> Blessed are those who are persecuted for righteousness' sake, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Right. So this is where we start to, this is the last the last one of the blessed are those or blessed are they, um, kind of the third person blessed. So this is the last one. So sometimes people, especially pastors, will tend to take this verse or teachers of the church will take this verse and say, ah, I'm being persecuted. I must be doing something right. So they'll kind of wear it as a badge. Yeah. Mm -hmm. That's not that's not what, what Jesus is getting at here. Mm -hmm. It's not a virtue. To be persecuted, people of all faiths uh, and atheists are persecuted. But what he is saying is that when you are a Christian and when you have faith in Christ, expect to be attacked. Mm -hmm. The attack will come. Mm -hmm. The devil and the world. It, it happened to Jesus, certainly happened to John the Baptist, which we heard a little bit about last week. We'll get more of John the Baptist story later. Um, and it happens to all of us now uh, as Christians, mm -hmm. same things. That's what he's getting about. So it's not saying throw everyone away and per intentionally live your life in misery because exact, that's no. what the Bible asks. Right. That is not what he's saying. Good point. Yes, I'm glad you clarified that, Carrie. But again, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. So it's that present tense. For righteousness sake, again, this is God. So it, it, it's coming up right here on verse... 11, which is very close to the same thing, but he switches the voice. So now it's not third person. Now in verse 11, he says, blessed are you. Blessed are you, first person. 
when people revile you and persecute you and utter all kinds of evil against you falsely on my account, which is critical. Because again, mm-hmm. this just like verse 10 can kind of get lifted up as a, I, you, you know, you might just be a jerk and mm-hmm. think, oh, there's my badge of persecution because I'm a Christian jerk. But no, that's not what Jesus is talking about. It's on the account of Christ. You are blessed. You are blessed when people revile you and persecute you on the account of Christ. Hmm. Yeah, so if you just <laughs> delete the middle of the sentence, it's just, blessed are you on my account. Right. Makes sense. <laughs> exactly. And, it, and it, again, it's just so, they, they flow so tightly because it's coming right out of persecuted for righteousness, righteousness snake. Now, blessed are you on my account, but reviled, persecuted, false, evil things said about you. Mm-hmm. Um, so Jesus is saying the attack will come. It It will. And the thing you cling to is Christ, the kingdom of heaven, the promise of this is not the final word over you, which makes it, you know, after we've kind of talked about a lot of these, you know, somewhat negative things, then he says in verse 12, rejoice and be glad, rejoice and be glad for your reward is great in heaven for in the same way they persecuted the prophets who were before you. So logically, when you're reading your you're persecuted, reviled, evil uttered against you. Jesus says, rejoice and be glad. Do you have any idea why, anyone? Doesn't make sense at all. Why? (laughs) Anyone want to take a shot? Adam. I could just go on. It's because the reason you you, um, feel joy and the reason you can be glad in the middle of that attack is that you know it's it's not actually you they're attacking it's actually Christ himself the attack isn't about you it's about what's coming out of your mouth and the confession of faith you have been given by Jesus Christ so you can in that moment you actually can have peace and um, joy be glad because the right thing is being attacked, frankly, mm-hmm. that it is an attack on the faith in Christ that's coming out of your mouth. So if you're going to be attacked, mm-hmm. that's the thing to be attacked for. And when when Jesus says your reward is great in heaven, this is again, it's the kingdom of heaven. So it's kind of a circular, this whole thing is pretty circular with the blessed is Makarios. And mm-hmm. now he ends again, rejoice and be glad. Why? Not because it's fun to be attacked, because take it from me, it is not. It is not fun to be attacked uh, on account of Christ. But in those moments, you will actually rejoice and you will be made glad because you know the attack is on Christ and Christ has won the battle. It's done. It's still, we're still in the, the pits here in this life, but we know Christ defeated sin, death, and the devil for you and for me. That's what you cling to in the midst of that attack. You have the promise of Christ. The attack does not have the final word. Jesus Christ does. And on that note, we've reached the end of this week's episode, my friends. Thank you to Sarah Stenson for teaching us that blessed are you when people revile you and persecute you on Jesus's account. 
blessed are you on Christ's account. As you heard Sarah say, the attacks will come, but you have a promise that those are not the final words over you. You can actually rejoice and be glad you are being attacked for forgiving sins because you know it's on account of Christ. It may not be fun, but they're not attacking you. They're attacking Christ. But Jesus has already won the battle. He's defeated sin, death, and the devil. You now have that promise. I want to invite you to listen to Luther House of Study's newest podcast, Sing to the Lord. Martin Luther said, Next to the Word of God, the art of music is the greatest treasure in the world. To understand the importance of hymnody in the Lutheran Church, Lars Olson and I sit down with Zachary Brockhoff each week to discuss the lectionary's hymns, their meaning in history, and how the music preaches the gospel. We hope you enjoy this new venture. Follow or subscribe to Sing to the Lord to hear the weekly episodes. Links to the Sing to the Lord podcast feed are in the show notes. Thanks again for joining us this week. Remember, you are blessed. We'll see you next time on Scripture First.